Welcome to Convention Pulpit Teen Edition, brought to you through the ministry of Time of Discovery, a division of Interchurch Holiness Convention. Subscribe to this podcast or visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and for more information on this ministry at www.ihconvention.com. Scripture tells us that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Today's message reminds us of that. Listen as Pastor Ron Stevens shares this unique yet powerful story of God's redeeming grace. truth that sometimes God's got to allow us to lose everything so we can find something something better than everything we've had it is an honor for me to be here with you this afternoon and certainly I see many standing those of you that have heard me preach you know I'm a long-winded preacher but but you know I talk fast to try to condense that down And so for those that are standing, I see plenty of seats up here around the front. Now, I I really don't recommend getting in the splash zone. I would stay behind the barrier there and not come up to the splash zone. But if you want to have a seat, we've got plenty of seats up here. And I appreciated those songs we sang as we opened this service, exalting Jesus Christ. Because that's, by His help, what I'm going to do this afternoon is endeavor to exalt Him. He said if we would lift Him up, He would draw all souls unto Himself. And this afternoon, I'm going to do things a little differently than normal, Maybe as I've been praying and seeking the Lord uh, for this service, one thing I recognize in my life is that I can do nothing aside from Jesus Christ. I tried living life on my own. My life was a mess. I was asked if I would, could, and felt led to give my testimony, to which I will do. How many have heard me give my testimony? There's a lot of you here that's heard that, and so certainly want you to mind God. I want to say this before I begin that I am a blessed individual. My heavenly Father has me spoiled righteous. Uh, I've got life better than I deserve. Yes, I was spoiled rotten at one time, but now I'm spoiled righteous. I want you to understand. i got a beautiful wife today. I've got two beautiful children. My boy Seth, 12 years of age. My daughter Sarah, 11. I pastor a church, Southeastern Holiness Church, and um, I I truly have been blessed above measure. I want you to know, uh, a year out of prison, I come out of prison in 1998, you're going to hear this this morning, this afternoon, I've done five prison sentences in my lifetime, two prison sentences in the state of Indiana, two prison sentences in the state of Texas, and one prison sentence in the state of Illinois. I was lost in sin, and my life was miserable. And a year out of prison, a year out of prison after I got saved, I got saved in my fifth prison sentence, you'll hear about that. Um, I want you to know when I went to my fifth prison sentence, I had lost everything. I want you to know that even in the earlier prison sentences, I'd lost contact with my mom, I lost contact with my dad, I lost contact with my family. As a matter of fact, I remember there were times behind bars that I didn't talk to anybody outside the prison system because of my sin. I forfeited a lot of relationships, and I want you to know, young people, I made life a lot harder than it has to be. 
But today, by the grace of God, through the blood of Jesus Christ, a year out of prison, I pastored my first church. I'll never forget when they called me. They said, we want you to pastor. I said, there's no way. I'm a five-time convicted felon. There's, I've never pastored a church. There is absolutely no way. I said, I'll pray about it because I pray about everything I do, but I just don't see it possible. Well, I had had a jail ministry at that time, and I was preaching a message in a jail. This was on a Thursday night. I was preaching on David and Goliath, and when everybody's sitting on the mountaintops just looking pretty, what are you going to do, David? And and that was my that was my thought for Thursday night. Are you going to realize that the battle isn't yours? It belongs to God, and if you'll let God use you, God will use you to bring great victories, and God help me. It was Brown County Jail, Nashville, Indiana, on a Thursday night, and God really helped me preach that message. Well, this phone call I got about pastoring the first church come on a Friday night the day after. And I said, no way, but I pray about everything. And I hung up the phone and I went into my room and I shut the door and I got on my face and I said, I can't do it, God. What do you think God said? God said, why not, David? <laughs> when everybody else is sitting on the mountaintops looking pretty, what are you going to do? Are you going to realize the battle doesn't belong to you? It belongs to me. And if you'll let God use, you let God, let me use you, I'll use you to my glory. And I was humbled and was speechless and come out of my room and I called him and I said, you know what? I'll fill in. I'll, I'll supply a pastor until you find somebody. Two years later, they wasn't looking. They were really happy uh, with me being there. But God led me from there after two years to Southeastern where I am today, just blessed above measure. And with that being said, I've learned a lot from scriptures. And young people, I want you to know you can apply this to your life today. There's people out there that says this doesn't apply. It does apply. I found all the answers to life that I was looking for in a prison through the word of God. It was in his word. I found truth. I found righteousness. I found the will of God. Bottom line is I found what I'd been looking for in drugs and alcohol and everything else under the sun. I found the best thing this side of heaven. I'm excited about living for Jesus Christ and and so this afternoon, I'm going to begin in the book of Jonah. And as I begin, I need to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, this afternoon, I thank you for these young people. And Lord, I know right here in this room, there are people that you have placed a call upon their life. You, God, desiring to use them. You, God, calling them. And you, God, desiring to bless and lead and do miracles in their life and do things unimaginable in our lives. But God, we know that you are able. And so, Lord, as we look into your holy, eternal truth, God, I pray that you would anoint this portion of this service and that you would bless these people today and let your will be accomplished in all of our hearts and lives and will not fail to thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to know this afternoon, people are looking for something real. It's no different in any generation. People are looking for something real, something that will satisfy. It goes into the very things of life that, that people want to knock on your door and tell you they got the best vacuum cleaner on the face of the earth. Well, you know what? You want to see that. If, if they're trying to sell you something, you know, I've, I've thought, you know, let me pour something that I've got on the carpet and see if you can get it up. Oh, no, we don't, we don't want you to do that. Well, why not? If it's that good, it's going to pick up whatever I put down there, not what you put down there. Because the bottom line, we want to see something that's real. 
It's like that in every generation. And when Jesus was walking the earth in Matthew chapter 12, 39, they said, Lord, we would see a sign from thee. They wanted to see something tangible that Jesus was who he was. But Jesus said, there'll be no sign given unto you, but the sign of the prophet Jonah, for as Jonah was in the whale's belly. And I want you to take note in my Bible, red letters, Jesus said whale. Do you know it's amazing to me? The people say, oh, we don't know that it was a whale. It, uh, we, we really don't know that it was a big fish. Young people, you know what you get when you look up whale in the dictionary? A big fish. And pretty simple, amen? Jesus said it was a well. Oh, you know what? There are people out here that will try to tell you the book of Jonah is just a fable in your Bible and that it really didn't happen. It was an allegory. I want you to know Jesus said, as Jonah was. Jesus gave credibility to the fact that this is a real story. It is something that happened in history's time. But he said, no sign shall be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights so the son of man must be in the heart of the earth and I want you to know as we look at the book of Jonah it says now the word of the Lord come unto Jonah the son of Amittai do you know right now today in 2013 the word of God is alive and active it applies to today forever oh Lord thy word is settled in heaven Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away but my word will never pass away and this afternoon the word of God is coming unto you and he says arise do you know God's got a will for all of you God's got a will for all of us and he wants us to get up arise and do something for his glory and he tells Jonah just as he's telling us arise he said go to Nineveh that great city and cry against it for their wickedness has come up before me you know, young people, I recognize you fight a lot of temptations. I want you to know with what this world portrays and what they try to feed into you, there's a lot of wickedness in our world today. The Bible says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, and the end thereof is destruction. And I want you to know what God needs is some young people to stand up and stand for what's right and say that is wrong and this is right young people let me tell you something and I'm not going to linger long here but I want you to know as somebody that came from a broken home we need some young people to stand up and define what marriage is it's between one man and one woman for as long as we both shall live it is a lifetime commitment I want you to know young people it is the second most important decision you will ever make in your life is who you will spend the rest of your life with here on earth so don't take it lightly young people it is the second most important decision you'll ever make the first being for Jesus Christ that is the most important decision of your life and how are you this morning or this afternoon do you know Jesus is he your Lord and Savior are you serving him or are you running from him he's looking for some young people to stand for righteousness in this present day in which we live. But too many like Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. I want you to see what direction Jonah goes when he begins to run. It says he went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarsus so he paid 
the fur thereof. Jonah thought he was willing to pay the price to run from God. Young people, you've heard me say it before, and I'm going to say it again. Sin will take you further than you ever want to go. It'll keep you longer than you ever want to stay. It'll cost you more than what you ever thought you would pay. Young people don't fall for the pleasures of sin for a season. It may look good for a moment, but sin, when it is finished, mark it down, brings forth death. It will destroy your life and it will destroy your never dying soul, except it's repented of. And I want you to know, young people, too many are like Jonah. They think they're willing to pay the price to run from God. But look at this direction. He went down. And it goes on and says he went down to Joppa. He paid the fare thereof. And look, he's still going down. Went down into it to go with them unto Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind in the sea. And there was a mighty tempest in the sea. So that the ship was like to be broken. Verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid. Hold on a second. This is Jonah's choice, right? Jonah's the one that said, God, I don't want to do your will. I want to go my way and do my thing. And, you know, that was one of the deceptions that I was caught up into as a young kid. I thought my choices was hurting nobody but me. And I was ever wrong. I want you to know, young people, there's more on this boat of life than just you. There are people that love you, and there are people that care about you. There are people that are praying for you. There are people that are concerned for you. And I want you to know I really don't have a real sad song to sing about, say about my, my upbringing because, you know, I believe with all my heart my parents love me. I was not raised in church. Uh, my family didn't go to church. I didn't know anything much about church life. I didn't know anything about God. God didn't know anything about Jesus Christ really as a young man growing up and as I said I came from a broken home though my parents did the best they could they found out they just couldn't live with each other and my dad having an alcohol problem when I was eight years old uh, my mom and my dad split up and then my mom and dad about two or three years later thought they'd tried again and they remarried each other again renewed their vows and tried again but at the age of 13 they they just couldn't make it happen and again on never forget the day I came home from school my mom said pack your bags we're out of here do you know uh, why I look back at that day as a young kid at 13 years of age I was kind of excited about that it's a shame that I would be excited about that, but let me tell you why I was excited about that, because my dad was the authoritarian in the household, and I knew that I could get away with a whole lot more with mom than I could with dad, and so as we packed the bags and left, I was a 13-year-old young man that began to do things I shouldn't do. It included drinking alcohol, popping pills, smoking marijuana. I began to run with another crowd of people, and I began to indulge myself, and I tell you, sin will take you further than you ever thought it would take you. It was marijuana. It was alcohol. It was speed. It was caffeine pills. It wasn't long before it was LSD, PCP, cocaine, heroin. It wasn't long before it just continued to get me deeper and deeper and bind me more and more and ruin my life more and more. Sin was taking me further than I ever wanted to go. Age of 13, I'm doing drugs and by the age of 16, 17, 
I remember getting shot, caught shoplifting to support my drug habit. I was shoplifting in a Kohl's department store, and I walked out of Kohl's into the parking lot, and walking across the parking lot, a security officer began to come after me. And he stopped me, and he said, uh, Excuse me, young man, can I ask you what you have in your pocket? And I said, Sure. All I got is this, and I pulled out a gun. And he went like that. Little did I know, he had already called the police. Well, guess what happened? About the time I went like that, he went like that. I seen sheriff cars pulling in for all over, so I went like that. <laughs> they had me. Well, sure enough, they would take me to juvenile. I would sit in Johnson County Juvenile Detention Center, awaiting to go to trial and... As I was waiting to go to trial, I'll never forget the day I went before the judge. The judge gave me an ultimatum. The judge said, Mr. Stevens, I'm going to give you a choice. You can go home with your dad today, or you can go to boys' school till you're 18 years of age. I said, Your Honor, I'll take boys' school till I'm 18 years of age. My dad said, Stop. Your Honor, give me five minutes. Let me talk to him. My dad pulled me out of the room. He said, Son, come home. We'll do something. We'll get through this. Don't throw your life away. We'll try. And I said, okay, and I went home with my dad, but guess what? I didn't change, and the choices I made didn't change. And it wasn't long before I would stumble through the door, and, and my dad would grab me and pin me against the wall, and he would reach into my pocket, and he'd pull out a bag of quaaludes and marijuana, and I'll never forget the day my dad set me inside of his police car. He's been a police officer longer than I've been alive. He drove me downtown to his insurance agent up onto the third floor. I'll never forget that day as long as I live. I remember my dad saying I need him in a, in a detoxification center. They said your insurance don't cover it. I watched my dad come out of his chair and across that desk and go nose to nose and say you'll do it or I'll kill him. And I want you to know my choices was destroying the mariners that was up top rolling Hard, doing their best they can to keep their son afloat. But I, like Jonah, had gone down to the bottom of the ship and I was fast asleep, numb to what was going on around me because I was going to have it my way. That insurance agent got on the phone, hung up, said, seven-day detox, that's all we can do. My dad said, get him out of my sight, Fairbanks Hospital. Seven-day detoxification program. I remember going through high school, having to go to adult and child mental health. I sat under mental health counselors. I sat in rehabilitation centers. I was court-ordered to go to Alcoholics Anonymous. I was court-ordered to go to Narcotics Anonymous. I was just a young teenager throwing my life away. Never forget my 18th birthday. To me, that was liberation. I was out of the house before my dad woke up in the morning, and I was going to go show the world who I was. My dad always told me something as a kid. He said, son, this world will chew you up and spit you out. You know what? My dad was right. My dad was absolutely right. Age of 18, you know what? I thought I could get away from it all. I moved to Chicago, Illinois. You know what I found in Chicago, Illinois? Me. Well, prior to moving to Chicago, Illinois, I'd been apprehended and sent to jail. 
was given five years probation. It was a burglary and theft. I was trying to support my drug addiction. And they sent me on a five-year probationary period, and I got out, and that's when I thought I'd move to Chicago. Well, while I was living in Chicago, I'm driving through Illinois, the state of Illinois. I come up out of Missouri into Illinois to South End, and, and not too far. Matter of fact, I'll never forget, I would have been about 55 miles in because it's about the 55-mile marker on that highway when a police officer come in behind us, hit his lights, pulled us over. They found a bag of marijuana in the trunk, and... I would be charged for possession of marijuana. Well, all of a sudden, I'd make bond. I'd get out. Indiana says, you got to come back here for the violation of probation. I sat in Marion County Jail for a year and a half waiting on a court date. You know what? It came on my 21st birthday. I'd sat in Marion County Jail for a year and a half waiting on what they were going to do with my probation. My 21st birthday, we were locked down in the cells for rioting. They came over the loudspeaker. They called my name, Ron Stevens. I said, yes. They said, what cell are you in? I gave them my cell number. They popped it open. They said, we need you to get dressed and get ready for court. I thought, wow, well, this is great. In the state of Indiana, a year and a half, that's three years good time credit altogether. I'm going to go today. She'll probably give me three years. Patricia Gifford was my judge. Said she'll probably give me three years. Time served and send me home. 21st birthday, I stood before Patricia Gifford who looked at me from that bench and she said, Mr. Stevens, I hereby sentence you the full five years to the Indiana Department of Corrections and you're very fortunate I can't give you more because if the law would allow me, I would. Pow! Get out of my courtroom. So for my 21st birthday, I got a five-year sentence into the Indiana Department of corrections. Young people, don't throw your life away. Don't let your 21st birthday be like that. Don't let your 21st birthday be like those that are killed, drunk driving. Don't let that be your way of life. I was throwing my life away. Well, I would have to go to Branchville Correctional Facility to finish another year of that prison sentence to which I would complete. I'll never forget the day I was to be released from Branchville Correctional Facility in Tell City, Indiana. I was at the gates ready to go home when all of a sudden a sheriff's car pulls up. The sheriffs come in, they talk, they point, and then they come. They said, remember us? We caught you in Illinois with a pound of marijuana. Uh, you got to come back to Illinois and go to court. And so from the prison in Indiana to the back of a police car, to the state of Illinois, to the courts in Illinois, they would give me another three-year prison sentence for possession of marijuana, to which I would be sent to a maximum, uh, maximum security prison in Illinois called Menard Correctional Facility. I did time in Menard. It wasn't long before they finally uh, come to my release date. I'll never forget. It was around 19. 1992, I was scheduled to be released, and, and I was released, and they said, you're going to East St. Louis? I said, no, I'm going to Indianapolis. They said, no, you're going to East St. Louis? I said, I don't know anybody in East St. Louis. I'm going to Indy. And so they had a court order to release me because my time was up. They couldn't hold me. They had to let me come back to Indianapolis. But I didn't change the way I was living. I was just like Jonah. I was numb. I was running from the Lord. I was asleep to the consequences of everything that was going on around me. I had destroyed my mom. I had destroyed my dad. I had destroyed my brothers and my sister. I had destroyed everything I had. And I get out in 1992 and it wasn't long before I would be apprehended. In 1992, June, 
I'd be apprehended in the state of Texas for trafficking more marijuana. They caught me coming up from the border of Mexico. I was about 90 miles north in a little town called Fall Furious where there was a checkpoint where they found 11 pounds of marijuana in the vehicle and I would be sent to prison again. I'm now going to my third prison sentence for possession of 11 pounds of marijuana. In the state of Texas, they gave me a two-year prison sentence. I did 11 months on that prison sentence and was released. One month after my release, a drug deal gone bad in Indianapolis, Indiana in a hotel room. There was a knock on the door. We thought it was a connection. The guy that was in the hotel room with me went and opened up the door. When he opened up the door, it was the police and they came in with their guns. And I realized all of a sudden I was in a world of hurt and I remember looking at the window, out the window to my car and I reached for my car keys. I had every intention of jumping out that window and when I reached for my keys, they said, he's got a gun. They about put me in eternity right there. You got me. Nowhere for me to go, nowhere for me to run. They would begin to search. They would find everything and into the back of a police car I would go again and I would go to Marion County Jail lock up and they would say they're filing the habitual criminal on you in the state of Indiana. They're done with you. Well, I made a bond and I got on a plane the next morning and flew to South Texas and I was hiding out in South Texas as they began to look for me for parole violations in Texas. Now another case in Indiana. Now the FBI are involved. The Texas Rangers are involved. They come to the place where I'm staying. I wasn't there at the time. They knocked on the door. They showed pictures of me about this big. They said, we know he's here. We know you know who he is. As they began their search, I got a phone call an hour after they left that said, you need to run. I want you to know sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go. I ended up having to run into the country of Mexico. I was living in a little city outside of Monterey, Mexico, hiding out from the FBI and the, the Indiana State Police and the Texas Rangers. I'm hiding in the country of Mexico. You'd think something would speak to my heart. You'd think something would get through to a thick skull. But I want you to know I was running from God. I was doing my thing, my way. And I'm hiding out in Mexico and living in a sad situation because sin was taken me further than I ever thought I would go. It wasn't long because I didn't change my ways. I was running uh, drugs through Mexico into the United States when in 1995 I would come across the Rio Grande River. We loaded the drugs up on inner tubes, pushed across the Rio Grande at nighttime, loaded it out, put it in the back of a vehicle, and I pulled up out of the woods and on my way to the interstate, there was a state trooper. Little did I know he was waiting on me. When I passed him, he got in behind me. And I remember thinking to myself, if he hits his lights, I'm hitting the gas. He hit his lights. So I hit the gas. It speeds at over 130 miles an hour. I ended up taking the vehicle off-road because I knew I couldn't outrun him in the vehicle. And I got out of the car and I started running for all I had. I want you to know sin will take you further than you ever want 
to go. I remember running across the field that day. That police officer slid in behind me. I heard him fire a shot. Boom! I heard that bullet whistle within six inches of my ear. He was trying to kill me. I almost went into eternity in a field in South Texas, but I'll never forget that day. He evidently tripped and lost the battery out of his radio, so he began to fire shots in the air to try to get the attraction of the other police officers on the chase. And I thought, oh, Jonah had got away. Oh, Jonah thought he had got away. And as I'm working my way through the wilderness, trying to get back into Mexico, overhead come an airplane, and it circled for about 45 minutes. And it left. And I got up and ran some more. And about an hour later, it came back again with a helicopter. And they circled overhead. And they circled, and I'm hiding under a bush. And they're not going away. And I remember thinking, I, I didn't know what was going on, but I figured they had me. Little did I know as they had me picked up with heat-seeking goggles that can pick up a rabbit under a bush from a mile in the air. With the heat-seeking goggles, they can see my body frame under the bush from my, the heat that my body was radiating. And little did I know that hour they circled overhead, they were calling in every law enforcement agency for three counties. And as they began to swoop in on me, I remember looking up under my arm and seeing a Texas state trooper with a shotgun. I remember that day as soon as he said, I got him. When he said, I got him, I want you to know I came out of that bush like a rabbit. Old Jonah was running with all he had, but they came out of the woodwork like bees and they got me down and they began to, well, we won't go into that. That wasn't very friendly of them. <laughs> they were talking to me in English. They were talking to me in Spanish. They didn't know what language I spoke. I wasn't saying a word. I never carried ID on me when I was doing those kind of things. They put me in the back of the police car. I want you to see what happened to old Jonah. You see, Jonah began to tell them, you're going to have to throw me overboard. And so they took Jonah up and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from a raging and in the last verse of chapter 1, it says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Once you know, the Lord prepared a great fish. I'm sitting in the back of the police car that day when a police officer walks toward the car. I looked away. I could feel him staring at me through the window. And this is what I hear. I know you. I know you. I arrested you three years ago in Fall Furious, Texas for the same thing. He turned around. He said, give me five minutes. I'll have his name because I still got the last vehicle I confiscated from him. He walked away. He come back about five minutes later. He said, Ron Stevens, the carpenter from Indiana, I got you. My heart sank. Because you see, old Jonah thought he'd get out and he'd give him an alias and he'd make bond and he'd run back to Mexico and he'd go back. But I want you to know it's the mercy and grace of God that didn't allow me to do that. I'd probably be dead on a roadside somewhere or I'd be locked up in another prison doing time. I had thrown my life away. And now as I'm sitting in Texas prisons, I remember writing my then fiance and saying, forget about me. My life is over. I'm done. I'm going to prison. 
husband for probably 20 years, forget about me. My then fiance would show up for visitation the next Saturday and tell me if i got to go to the ranch and wait on you for 20 years, I'll go to the ranch and wait on you for 20 years. I want you to know that fiance then is my wife today. I want you to know that's the only thing that held on through all my sin, through all my wretchedness. That was the only thing that really ever held on. I lost everything I had. I want you to know I've worked in the system. I ended up with a two-year prison sentence in the state of Texas. They gave me an ultimatum. Five years probation or two years in prison. I took the two years in prison because I knew Indiana still had a warrant out for me. And so I went to Texas prison for another 11 months on a two-year prison sentence. Huntsville, Huntsville prison. Huntsville prison system there in Texas is where I did my time. And I'll never forget when it was time to be released. Guess what? Indiana showed up. Never got out of prison that day. Was put in handcuffs, taken up to Indiana to do prison for that, remember the 35 pounds in the hotel room? So back to court I would go. They extradited me up here to Indiana, stuck me in a jail cell. But the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. I'll never forget, young people, sitting in my bunk down in Texas, looking at the ceiling and saying something like this. <laughs> I had no clue about prayer. I had no clue about God. And I remember just saying, God, may have went something like if you're there. But I remember saying, if I get out of prison in Texas, I'm probably going to die. I knew that was the life my life was heading to. And so I believe it was the mercies of God that allowed Indiana to fly an airplane from Texas back to a county jail in Indiana. And I would sit in a county jail. And as I'm sitting in a county jail, I'll never forget the day they woke me up. They said, Ron... You need to wake up. There's a guy in here that can't speak English, and you need to talk to him. And I remember saying, I'm, I don't know the guy. I may not even like the guy. And I rolled over, and I went to sleep. And I'll never forget, when I woke up, it was time to eat lunch. And I seen this Spanish guy standing in the middle of the cell block, and I took one look at him, and I knew he had never done time before. Young people, I got better eight years of my life wrapped up behind bars. I got better than eight years of my life I can't get back. I got eight years of my life that's gone in the history books forever because of the choices that I made. Sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go. It'll keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. It'll cost you more than what you ever wanted to pay. And I'll never forget looking at that individual. I grabbed my tray at lunchtime and I grabbed a second tray and I walked by him and I hand him his tray and I told him in Spanish, don't wait till last or you won't eat. And his eyes got about that big around and he come over and sat next to me and he goes, oh, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. You speak Spanish. I said, yeah, I know a little. He said, oh, oh, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why. I cut him off. I said, listen, that's what I hear everybody say. I want you to know I'm guilty. I did the crime. I'm going to do the time. He said, no, you don't understand. He said, I'm a pastor in the state of Texas. He said, I got a wife and three daughters. I've never been in trouble before in my life. I said, well, what brought you here? He said, well, my brother-in-law asked me if I wanted to come up to Indiana with him for a week on vacation. He said, I drive a truck locally in Houston, Texas. Um, he says, uh, and I didn't have much work, so I said, sure, I'll go with you for a week up to Indiana. He said, we drove a pickup truck up here. He said, I know we wasn't trafficking no drugs. They put the dogs on the vehicle twice because we had Texas plates. He said, we wasn't hauling no drugs. He said, but when we got up here, he said he wanted to go see a friend of his, and we went over to his house, and he told me to wait on the couch while they 
they went upstairs and while they were upstairs, the feds came in and busted them with 400 pounds of marijuana in the upstairs room of the house. And I told him if you stick to that story, you might get out of it. He said, no, you don't understand. It's true. Well, because I was the only one that could communicate with Otoniel, that was his name, Otoniel Portillo. And Otoniel Portillo, if you're watching this, I'd love to hear from you. I've tried to make contact with Otoniel Portillo. Matter of fact, I'll never forget a couple years ago, uh, I called the directory and I said, I want an Otoniel Portillo in Houston, Texas. They gave me a number. Oh, I got a number. I was thrilled. I called that number and I, I said, Otoniel. He said, yeah. I said, this is Ron. He goes, Ron. I said, yeah, Ron Stevens. He goes, I don't recall. I said, we didn't time together. <laughs> How many Otonio Portillos could there be? <laughs> but Otonio Portillo, I'll never forget him. I watched Otonio lay on his bunk and cry night after night and ask God, why am I here? Remember, this is a pastor of a church. Why am I here, God? Why am I here? He was going through the most devastating time of his life. And I'll never forget one day I looked at Otoniel. I said, Otoniel, what do you got that I can read in Spanish? Because I wanted to learn Spanish better living in Mexico. I was forced to learn the language or not talk. And me not talk just wasn't going to fly. So I had to learn some Spanish. And, and I needed to learn more. And so I asked him what I could read. Because Spanish is a very easy language to read. The vowels, I, A, E, O, U, never change sounds. And, and so he, with a smile on his face, slid me a Spanish Bible. And I looked at him and I said, yeah, Othoniel, just reading Spanish. And I sat there in that jail cell, and you know what I did? I read the Word of God. <laughs> Little did I know, I wasn't just reading, I was studying. Because I had to take that Spanish word, and in my mind, I had to convert it to the English language. And I was doing word studies in Spanish in the Bible. Well, you know what the Bible says? God said, my word will not return unto me void, but as the rain comes down to heaven and waters, forth, waters the earth and brings forth the fruit of the land, so is my word, and it will not return unto me void. And I'll never forget that day I was sitting on that little metal bench in my little bitty cell, and I'm reading this Spanish Bible. And all of a sudden, I got real uncomfortable because, young people, I want you to know, I felt like I had been in this place before. And as I sat there, it was like the walls were closing in on me. All of a sudden, I felt trapped. I didn't know what was going on. But I'll tell you what happened that day. As I sat on that bunk and reading that Spanish Bible, the Holy Spirit slipped into a six-by-nine cell. And all of a sudden, I felt like there's nowhere for me to go. It was just like the hotel room. It was just like the parking lot of Coles. It was just like out in the fields in Texas. There was nowhere for me to go and I was trapped. And I heard the Holy Spirit whisper to my soul and say, is this what you want for the rest of your life? And I remember looking around that little bitty cell and all it was was concrete and steel again. And I thought to myself, life has to get better than this. And I want you to know I fell to my knees in a six by nine jail cell. And I asked God to be merciful to me, an old sinner boy. 
And I want you to know what happened that day. Heaven came down. And Jesus made a house call to a little bitty hole, six by nine cell. And when I confessed my sins, he was faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. Heaven came down. And I want you to know, young people, what Alcoholics Anonymous could not do, what Narcotics Anonymous could not do, what mental health counselors could not do, what all the prison sentences and all the prisons in Indiana, Texas, and Illinois could not do. Jesus Christ accomplished in a jail cell. He saved me from my sins. He delivered me. He gave me a new life. You wonder why I got a smile on my face all the time. Now you know I'm having the time of my life living for Jesus. You see, then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord. It's okay to cry out because of your affliction. They sang, I lost everything, but I found something. It's okay. You know what they said? They said, you got jailhouse religion. I still got it. (laughs) I've been out of prison for 15 years this month. 15 years I've been out of prison. 14 off of parole. And I still got it. And I'm having the time of my life living for Him. It's okay to cry out by reason of your affliction. He said, I cried by reason of my affliction. He said, out of the belly of hell cried I. And thou hearest my voice. I want you to know He said something in verse 8 that you need to take heed to. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy you believe a lie I did it for too many years and I forsook my own mercy young people listen don't throw your life away do you know let me go on and finish this out and I'll close it down but it says and the Lord spake unto the fish and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah The second time. I don't know about you, but I thank God for second chances. Third chances. Fourth chances. Fifth chances. Young people, you can't commit a sin so deep that the blood of Jesus Christ cannot cover. You can't make a decision so bad that the grace of God can't help you to overcome. And you know, there's one big difference between me and Jonah. Jonah was raised in church. Jonah knew the Lord. But Jonah didn't want to live the way the Lord wanted him to live. You know, I'm persuaded just like I was a Jonah. I'm persuaded that there's probably some Jonas in this congregation this afternoon. And you know, you know God. And you know better than what you're living. And yet God has prepared a great service for you. And God in His mercy and grace has put a big example before you that His blood is able to cover your sins. And you know what? What the devil took away, I want you to know there's more involved than just you. I want you to know I talked to my dad today. My dad called me on the phone even this morning. I've got a better relationship with my dad today than I've had in my entire life. 
I got a better relationship with my mom today than I've had in my entire life. My mom comes to my church. Hallelujah. That's an answer to prayer. Do you know my dad himself believes in God because he watched the change Jesus made in my life and he said, there is a God. There is a God. And I want you to know this afternoon that God not only knew where I was, he knows where you're at. And what the devil destroyed, God gave back. And like I said, he's got me spoiled righteous. I want to invite you to stand with me. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit Teen Edition, brought to you through the ministry of Time of Discovery, a division of Interchurch Holiness Convention. For more sermons or for more information, subscribe to this monthly podcast or visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, 18931 Route 522, Beaver Springs, Pennsylvania, 17812.